five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Carolina with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it! Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good! 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 He's Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. We welcome in from Athlon Sports, it's Steven Lassen, who was with us last year, did a great job, so we had to have him back on this year. Uh, Steven, uh, first of all, I've been listening to the Cover 2 podcast a little bit. You were on there helping them preview uh, some of the playoff teams and everything. Um, it seems like you're the brain behind the operations. Uh, it's a good group of three, but it seems like you're the main guy uh, that keeps everything on track with those guys. Hey, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's definitely a hard task trying to keep everything running there. Um, but, you know, when, when it comes to our magazine process, we actually start in November, believe it or not. We actually start working on the magazine and some of the stats and background stuff. And my job, basically, from November to May, in addition to the digital side of things, is, you know, I dive into all 130 teams you know, I take, you know, probably a ridiculous amount of notes and stats and, and everything. And, you know, I, I kind of go through all these teams and we and we bring together the brains of Athlon Sports together in a meeting to, to discuss and predict and preview. But, you know, my, my job is in, in addition to getting to know all 130 teams is doing things like the you know, conference teams, the unit rankings, uh, the kind of the predictions for the magazine and in conjunction with our staff. So I appreciate the kind words. It's a, it's a fun and very encompassing task to try to get to know every team in the offseason. Well, one of the teams that you get to know is the North Carolina Tar Heels, and you said that you guys really start prepping in November. I'm assuming that around that time you guys had a pretty good opinion of what Mac Brown coming back to Carolina meant for the Tar Heels. I'll ask you first the initial reaction to when Mac was first hired, and then has it changed since that moment that he was hired? My opinion on this hire has changed a lot. I remember the, the when Larry Fedora was let go, and my first thought was this would be a great opportunity for North Carolina to go get a Scott Satterfield, a Neil Brown, uh, one of the rising stars and kind of the group of five ranks. And they hired Mac Brown, and I was surprised. But I think as time has gone on, I totally get 
why they did this hire. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you look at Mac Brown's resume, he has won everywhere, as North Carolina fans know. I mean, his, his first stint at North Carolina just did a great job getting that program uh, to where it was at the end of his tenure. He goes and wins a national championship at Texas. He's a great recruiter. He's kind of the perfect, um, you, you may not like this term, but the CEO of a program. And I think he'll, he'll do a good job of providing that uh, kind of foundation that North Carolina needs. He's going to be an excellent recruiter. He'll bring in talent. I love the assistant coaches that he hired. I think Jay Bateman and Phil Longo, two of the top coordinator hires this offseason. So I, I think I have become much more open and certainly understand why North Carolina made this hire. The biggest problem for Mac Brown at the end of his tenure at Texas was offense, and I think Phil Longo certainly helps him kind of fulfill that question mark. Um, certainly, being out of football for, for a couple years presents some challenges, but I think I think Mac Brown's going to do well at North Carolina in his second stint. One of the main things that we've heard a lot about Phil Longo over this offseason is that he can move the football, but when he does get in the red zone, he has some struggles. Is that something that you do think could hold this offense back, especially with as young of a group of guys as they're going to have on the offensive side of the football? Yeah, you know, it, it's certainly a concern. You know, looking at Phil Longo's offense at Ole Miss, I mean, tempo, attack, and passing the ball downfield, those were kind of some staples. But they also had a, a running back who probably should have hit 1,000 yards. The only reason why he didn't was due to injury. So, you know, it's not just the, the air raid passing game. There is a, a running element to this. But I think when you break down North Carolina offensively, you know, each position group, I think, outside of running backs has a concern. Uh, certainly a quarterback, which guy's going to win the job? There's three talented options, but who's going to step up and claim the job receiver need more consistency and depth out of that position and of course the offensive line where it all starts three starters have to be found so mm -hmm. i think every position has question marks but i do think when you look at what can happen in the red zone on the positive side having depth at running back with michael carter and antonio williams it gives north carolina at least when you get close to the goal line might be able to pound the ball in. So there's question marks everywhere. The red zone is a concern, but I think overall, in order for North Carolina to move forward and address some of those maybe red zone questions, they're going to have to find answers at every position. Well, let's talk about running back really quickly because I love the position rankings that you guys do every year. This was one of the rankings that I did take a little bit of an issue with because I, I thought they should be ranked higher. You guys had them eighth in the ACC. Why is that? Is it just because there are that many good backfields in the ACC or there are still some question marks in your mind? No, they could absolutely be ranked higher. I think the challenge for us when we do the running back rankings is a lot of times, um, you know, five through ten, there's really not a ton of difference. And when we ranked Georgia Tech in our magazine, uh, Curvante Benson was still with the team and then decided to transfer. So you know, our, our running back rankings would have looked a little bit different um, later this summer had we released them. But I think also the question when we do these is how do you 
rank a team like North Carolina who may not have one 1,000-yard back. They may have two six to 700-yard guys. They have good depth, whereas Wake Forest probably has a one running back who gets to 1,000 yards. So, um, you know, I, I totally agree with you. They could be ranked higher. There's really not a lot of separation. But this is the strength of the offense, in my opinion. I like Michael Carter. I think he's going to have an all-ACC caliber season. So, um, I, I, like I said, I'm in agreement with you. They could be higher. I think it's just kind of a matter of what do you value? Do you value depth or do you value individual talent and production? That is an interesting way to look at it. And Yeah, you're, you're right because, yeah, the teams are a little bit different. Thousand-yard rushers really haven't been a, a thing at Carolina, really, besides Gio Bernard, um, really since the turn of the, the century, to be real honest with you. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they approach that, if one guy steps forward or not. Um, at quarterback, one guy has to step forward. This is, in my opinion, one of the more interesting battles in the ACC. Who do you think steps forward here? Because there is some, in, it, very, granted, limited experience for Cade Fortin. A lot of people like what Jace Reuter brings to the table because they think he's the guy that combines everything together the best. And then there's the youthful but guy, maybe most talented guy in Sam Howell. So out of those three, who do you think emerges to take over that starting position uh, under Mac Brown? No question. This is one of the more fascinating battles um, in the ACC. I mean, Miami is certainly interesting mm -hmm. within the Coastal Division. But, I mean, North Carolina has three pretty talented quarterbacks that are vying for the starting job. Um, I, my, my instinct on this one is to go with Sam Howe. Uh, just such a big pickup on the recruiting trail, um, in-state prospect, kind of the, 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 a big get for Mac Brown in his first class. And I think that signals that, hey, if you come to North Carolina as a freshman, you could play right away. And just being there in the spring and having that experience within the offense, um, I think it will pay off. So my instinct to go is to go with Sam Howe. My, my instinct also says that we may see all three quarterbacks play this season as North Carolina tries to figure this out. Um, but certainly a lot of talent just needs to be kind of sorted out this season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's a chance that more than likely the guy that starts the first game of the year will probably not be the guy that finishes the season. Um, they'll probably go with one of the veterans and then eventually, I think, move over to Howell, um, a guy who I've, I've been covering for four years um, in, in the local area, and I, I think he's just fantastic, and he fits what that offense is going to want to do. Talking to Steven Lassen of Athlon Sports, so let's flip over to the defensive side of the football and talk a little bit about what Jay Bateman is going to do. I think one of the big concerns when you talk about the new defensive scheme for him is that he does have athletes, but he comes from a, an Army team that really was ball dominant. They controlled games, and at the max, their defenses saw maybe 50 to 60 plays a game. It's going to be totally different at North Carolina, where his defenses will be facing 80 to 90 plays a game, especially if Phil Longo's up-tempo offense is able to take as quickly as some think. Do you think that Jay Bateman's going to be able to make those adjustments and is it a concern to you guys that he was that that he is making the move from army to an up-tempo team like north carolina wants to be it is a fascinating contrast when you think about Phil Longo and the tempo and the plays he wants to run. 
um, compared to Jay Bateman and his defensive acumen from an Army. You know, this is kind of a situation where I just trust that Jay Bateman, based upon what he was able to do at Army, he, he will adapt to North Carolina. I think just looking at North Carolina from a depth chart perspective, they are going to need more depth at every level to emerge. And that might only be solved through recruiting over the next couple of years. And, you know, watching Army, I mean, their defense was just in attack mode. And that kind of goes to where uh, Phil Longo is on offense. It is attack. So, you know, I think just a different philosophy. It's probably going to require a year or two of adjustment. But Jay Bateman's track record at Army was strong. And, you know, they used a lot of different players to attack and get behind the line of scrimmage. I think the key thing to keep in mind is, you know, if, if North Carolina offensively takes off, and even though they might be playing, uh, you know, 70, 80 plays a game, you know, you can have a defense that attacks, and if you've got a, a 10 or 14 point lead, you're putting pressure on the offense, which in turn usually creates turnovers and mistakes. So it can kind of go a couple different ways, but I think this is a two or three year uh, hire for North Carolina, but I do think Jay Bateman is going to work out well for this defense in the long term. Yeah, let me say I do believe that, just like you said, Jay Bateman's defense might take a little bit of time, especially with some of the depth concerns. But from everything that we've seen from him, this is a guy that really, you know, he makes adjustments to the guys that he has on the field, not makes them adjust to what his system is all about. So I think that's going to really help. You know, I looked on the defensive line. It's Definitely the area of strength here. I mean, Aaron Crawford comes back from injury. Jason Strobridge really took off last season. And then you got Timon Fox, who's a veteran. Granted, he's never kind of lived up, I think, to the expectations that people have had statistics-wise for him year in and year out. But it seems like that unit is still one that can get after the quarterback and can cause some problems. You know, do you think that that defensive line unit is the strength of that defense? And, you know, is it an area that you guys are are, are really targeting for, um, you know, to, to get better throughout the season? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at North Carolina's defense, both the the defensive line and the secondary, when we were doing the unit rankings, were kind of two areas that I felt by the end of the season, we could see North Carolina jump in in the unit rankings. So they may be starting mid-pack to to close to eighth in the league, but these are two groups with potential. I mentioned it earlier, but I think depth is a concern uh, for North Carolina at every level. And I think you look defensively last season when North Carolina gives up over 200 rushing yards a game. You know, there's certainly room to improve there. Right. Lee Carney is gone, uh, one of the leading pass rushers. So there are some question marks here. But you mentioned it with Crawford back, uh, Strobridge and Fox, I think, are two guys who could contend for all ACC honors. So there's a lot to work with here. And certainly, even though there's room to improve, I think you have to be pretty optimistic that by the end of the season, this could be a strength for North Carolina. Now, I will ask you one last question about the defense. When you look at linebacker, losing a guy like Cole Holcomb is definitely not going to be easy. And this was a guy that turned into not only a leader at linebacker, but a leader defensively um, from being a walk-on when he first arrived on campus, led the team in tackles two of the last three years. 
it, there, there are some guys there. Jonathan Smith wasn't with the team in the spring, but he's coming back in the fall. And he, he just really hasn't been what a lot of people thought. And then there's a couple other guys like Jeremiah Gemmel, who's still there. And even Chaz Harak coming over from the offensive side of the ball, a quarterback. It, you know, is there maybe a guy that you can remember just from doing some of the prep work that you think maybe steps up and takes over one of those roles to help out Carolina at a spot where they're, they're, they are lacking some talent, if we're being really honest? Yeah, you know, Dominic Ross is interesting because, you know, at Army, uh, Jay Bateman always got the linebackers involved as far as getting to the quarterback, creating pressure, um, just creating havoc behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, you look at a, a guy like you know, Dominic Ross, you know, last season, you know, had to think three and a half tackles for loss, senior, probably the most experienced linebacker on the team. Um, you know, he's a guy that in this defense with the right kind of uh, scheme and, and fit this season he could be a guy whose numbers you see at the end of the year jump but you're absolutely right you know when, when we looked at this defense to start the season uh, there were a lot of question marks at this position not a lot of experience in terms of tackles coming back from last season and then of course the uncertainty with Jonathan Smith in the spring so this is a group that North Carolina is going to need someone to step up and especially we mentioned the rush defense improvement here could help the rush defense uh, decrease after giving up over 200 yards a game last season. Talking to Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports, we'll get two questions uh, about really the general picture and then we'll let you get out of here. Um, you know, when you look at this schedule for Carolina, you know, I was a guy that initially looked at it and thought the early part of the schedule was going to be crucial. But as I've looked at it more, that that early start is is definitely tough and they could end up being one and four possibly even zero and five I mean at this point we really hope not because we've just we we want to win some football games plain and simple but when you look at that back half of the schedule we saw it last year with Nebraska even if there is a slow start is there room for this team to have that sort of Nebraska finish where they do win a, a solid amount of games and are competitive in their other games? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, North Carolina's schedule at the start of the year, I mean, just no other way to sugarcoat it. It is brutal. I mean, South Carolina in a neutral site game, Miami uh, at Wake Forest in a, you know, and of course a non-conference game, Appalachian State, the favorite to win the Sun Belt, and there's Clemson, the, the defending national champion. I mean, it is brutal. But I think the second half of the schedule provides a path for North Carolina to pick up some wins. I think Georgia Tech is very winnable. Mm -hmm. And then three out of the last five are in Chapel Hill. And I also think Pitt could be a swing game, depending on what happens with some of Pitt's preseason concerns. And then, of course, the big rivalry against NC State. So, yes, absolutely. I think this is a team that will get better over the course of the season. Give, give the two coordinators uh, time to get their schemes in place and figure out some of the preseason question marks, and then the schedule lightens up. So we picked North Carolina sixth in the Coastal, but I think not much separation in our mind between Duke and North Carolina in that October 26th game in Chapel Hill could decide who finishes higher in the ACC Coastal this year. 
So the last question I'll ask you, and then we'll get you out of here. I've kind of been asking everyone this. What in your mind deems a successful first year back for Mac Brown? Because it seems all over the place. There are a lot of people that say if he doesn't make a bowl game, then we're in trouble. I don't feel that it's like that. I feel like it's more about momentum. Is that kind of where you guys are leaning as well, in particular you? Yeah, it, it is. And, and I think you can weigh progress in different ways. You know, sometimes progress may come in the form of two wins, but overall improvement and being more competitive. I mean, North Carolina lost, uh, you know, I think was it seven games by 10 points or less last season. So small improvement combined with some players emerging at linebacker, the quarterback situation stabilizing. I mean, North Carolina could be five and seven uh, easily this season. But I think saying that we can weigh progress different ways. To me, we have North Carolina getting to four wins. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Four or five wins, a couple wins in ACC play, the momentum on the recruiting trail picks up and continues. And I think North Carolina can use that experience gained by some of these younger players to take a step forward in in 2020. Solving the quarterback situation would be huge because if they can do that, looking ahead next season, uh, North Carolina will be in a better spot. So I think four or five wins, I don't think a bowl game is necessary for Mac Brown to, uh, to have a successful first year. It's one of my favorite magazines on the newsstands, Athlon Sports College Football Preview. They dive into all 130 teams and they give you a ton of information. This year, uh, every team is just about two pages um, that said that I've seen, and uh, it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. I got my edition. I've been reading through it a little bit here and there. Haven't been able to dive in as much as I've wanted to as I was in past years, but I'm going to hammer it out. Um, so uh, I know you can find it on newsstands. Tell them uh, where they can find you on Twitter um, and where else they can find the magazine if they want to find it. Absolutely. Yeah. Athlonsports.com. If you go to the website at the very top, there's a buy your magazine here link. Click on that link. It'll take you to our store. It has all the covers that we have. So if you're a you know a fan that's living in California and you want to have a North Carolina magazine, you can get it ordered and shipped to you. Uh, you know, as you said, it's on the newsstand, you know, kind of your your bookstores, your grocery stores. And be sure to check us out, athlonsports.com. We've got college football coverage from, you know, every day until the start of the season. And you can find us on Twitter and at Athlon Sports, and I'm there, at Athlon Steven. All right. Hey, Steven Lassen. Hey, this was great, man. You know I love having you on. Um, hope to do this again uh, later on next year. Um, and who knows, maybe if Carolina does have a successful year, towards the middle of the season we'll have you on to talk a little bit about that. And uh, potentially, who knows, maybe uh, in a couple of years we'll be talking about Carolina in the national landscape and where they stack up. That's where Mac Brown wants to get to. We'll have to wait and see, though, if he's able to get Carolina back into that picture. So, uh, Steven, I know you guys are uh, really focused on this upcoming season we're closing in it's almost it's about two months away now um just try not to overload on the clemson alabama uh discussion i know that uh there are some other teams that are trying to fight in there but you know we've been talking about them so much just uh try to sprinkle some other guys in there i'm glad you were able to do it today 
Hey, Anthony, anytime. It's it's always good to talk to different teams. You know, I, I try to do as much uh, you know, radio shows across the country as I can, talk to a group of five, but haven't had a chance to talk a lot of ACC this offseason. So it was good to catch up with you. And, uh, yeah, to definitely keep in touch. We'd love to do it again during the year or, or in the offseason. All right, Stephen. Hey, we'll talk to you down the line, buddy. Uh, take care. And, uh, man, if only that college football season could come a little bit quicker, I think we'd all be happy. Hey, absolutely. I look forward to it. Thanks. All righty. So that is Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports. Guys, he does a fantastic job. They all do a fantastic job. Him, Braden Gall, Mitch Light, that's the Cover 2 podcast right there. You can check that out, actually, on iTunes, the same place where you can find this podcast. Remember, you can find the Heel Tough Vlog podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, the TuneIn app, Radio.com. They're, they're, it's all over the place, guys. We're taking off. You can also find it on the website. That is the best place to find everything Heel Tough Blog. www.heeltoughblog.com. That's where you can go in there and find everything you need. All the latest news on all of the recruits that we've landed over this summer. We've got all sorts of reports on Sean Martin, Jaden Chalmers, even our most recent commit, Clyde Pender Jr who just committed earlier this week. Uh, and then we have some other recruiting tidbits that you guys will love. We also have the off-season series that is still going on. We just posted linebackers. So now that means we have defensive backs, special teams, and then head coaches. And that will complete the off-season series. We'll put them all together, tweet them all out to you guys, as well as post on Facebook all of the links so you guys can go back and look at them. Every single position group, we put them into the five tiers. And uh, I think you guys will really love that feature. There's also some exciting stuff that is on the horizon surrounding the South Carolina game. I'm not going to release it just yet. We're going to wait and hold off on that. That'll be up on Facebook here soon. And you can go to the Facebook page. That's where you can find everything that you need and follow all of the news around Tar Heel football, not just the Heel Tough blog. We post everything as it comes out. So whenever there is a commitment, it will go up on the Facebook page as well. And uh, we encourage you guys to like and follow that page. Uh, you can do that on Facebook uh, slash Heel Tough Blog, or you can just search Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Also, you can go to Twitter and search at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. That's where you can find our Twitter page, or follow me personally at Future Tar Heel. I will have all of that news, as well as some good tweets about the sports teams that I follow. So, you like New York sports? You can follow the ups and downs of my life as a New York sports fan. If you like the New York Rangers, it's been successful. All my other teams are terrible, so just watch me suffer. Uh, other than that, you can check out all the great Toriel stuff that I'll be tweeting on there and everything like that. I keep you updated on all of the recruiting that's going on as we've kind of hit that dead period, but there still are some things that are going on. Right now, of course, Clyde Pender Jr., uh, the guy who did commit, the four-star defensive tackle who did commit the other day to Carolina, or excuse me, he's a three-star defensive tackle on 24-7 sports, four-star defensive tackle on rivals. It's, it's all over the place with him. A guy like Joe Moore, the four-star strong side defensive end, he was at one time a three-star, so the rankings... It seems like they've started updating them more and more, so they're kind of all over the place. So I may from time to time say the wrong ranking on these guys. Again, rankings really 
to be real honest with you, they're just a statistic. There's something else to put in the articles to let you guys know about where they stand. It's nothing against the guys that do these rankings because the guys that work over at 24-7 and Rivals, they work their behinds off doing this kind of stuff. So we respect them so much, but the rankings fluctuate so much up and down. To be honest, you know, I watched the tape on Clyde Pender Jr. Kid's really, really good. I mean, he fits what Jay Bateman's going to want. He's a guy that can probably probably play that zero or one technique defensive tackle that we're going to need. Um, so, you know, he's a guy that looks like he has the talent of a four-star guy, but on 24-7 sports is still rated as a three-star. We'll see. I mean, I know everybody has had some heavy criticism of the rating system with Jacoby Criswell now ranked uh, fourth out of all the quarterbacks in the Elite 11. So there are 11 guys that are ranked on the board. Those are deemed the Elite 11. Jacoby Criswell Heading into what will be, I believe they're playing it now, but it will be on ESPNU tonight if you guys want to check that out. I'm going to get this podcast up as soon as possible so that you guys can hear this and I can alert you to it. Go to ESPNU tonight, 8 to 12.30 a.m. That's when you will be able to watch the... Elite 11 and opening 7-on-7 finals. So they combine the opening guys, which is the skill position players, as well as the offensive and defensive line guys, along with the Elite 11, which is just the quarterbacks. They team them up. And they play seven-on-seven games. Uh, It's a tournament, so whoever does win, usually that quarterback is the one that is deemed the winner of the Elite 11. Colby Criswell is a guy that right now is ranked fourth out of the 11 quarterbacks uh, that were placed on the list. There is a group of other guys that aren't even on the list. I think it's out of 22 guys, or maybe it's 20. One of those two numbers. He has been fantastic, and he's a guy that you know a lot of people have criticized, um, or, or not him, but They've criticized his ranking as a three-star. They think that he will definitely elevate after this. He definitely should. And that's going to be one of the guys they're going to try to get on uh, sometime soon to talk about his experience. We'll see. He's one of the guys that's a little more open on Twitter, so it might be a little easier to contact him. We're hoping we can get him on. If not, we will definitely have an article written up about him at the Elite 11 and just how well he did down there. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Heel Tough blog podcast. want to thank Stephen Lassen from Athlon Sports once again for stopping by, and we'll talk to him down the line. He does a fantastic job. Of course, you can go back and listen to Phil Steele's preview, uh, Bola Chips, Tim Chapman's preview, as well as Pick 6 Preview's Brett Ciencia's preview. We're also, of course, down the line, going to get our guy from Sporting News on, Bill Bender, and also I'm going to be trying to con- Contact Bill Connolly uh, to see if we can't get him on. He's, of course, the guy that puts together the S&P rating system for efficiency uh, for offense and defense as well as special teams. So we will try to get him on. That one might be a little more focused on the schemes as opposed to um, the, the team itself. So we talk a little bit more about Phil Longo and Jay Bateman. We'll see if we can't find a way to get him on. So... Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!